Your imagination is everything. You've got to utilize the breath to support the voice, but you also have to see your voice between you and the audience that you're speaking. Whatever impedes you in life from putting your voice in the world, from putting your essence in the world, you must overcome it. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their for-purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. I am your host, Norman Bell, and I am excited today. My guest is Denise Woods. Now, Denise is one of the most sought after vocal coaches in Hollywood. Denise has worked with, for example, Halle Berry, Will Smith, Lawrence Fishburne, Jessica Chastain, Mike Myers, Idris Elba, Kirsten Dunst, and many others. Wow, amazing uh, list. And I could have gone on and on from there. Um, In the first authoritative guide to mastering the full capacity of the voice designed for the rest of us, uh, uh, she has a new book called The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard. Uh, In that book, Denise shares proven, practical, and invaluable tools to change not only how we communicate, but ultimately how we see ourselves. Denise, welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast. Thank you. It's so good to be here. So great to have you. So great to have you. Um, So Denise, we'll get into everything about your book and your your background and your life and your amazing um, work that you do. Um, But I always like to start off by asking my guests, and I think it's actually a little bit obvious here considering the content of your, your book and everything, but what is your hell yes? What is that thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? Mm, see me. See all of me. Don't consider me as a monolith or just in a myopic kind of tunnel visioned way. I want to be seen in my totality. And heard in my totality. So you want to be, I I like that. See all of me. So I just got to write down that phrase. We can kind of come back to that. So you want people to see all of you. And it sounds like maybe in the work you do, you, uh, you want to help people, um, you know, show all of themselves. And absolutely to be seen and to be heard the whole package, the whole package. Mm -hmm. So, um, can you recall and no pressure if, if you can't, but I, I, I was looking at your book, you do kind of lay out your story in there. Can you recall a time in your life when you realized that this was your hell? Yes. It came around the time when I was an actress actually. And, auditioning for roles, you're never enough of this, or you're too much of that. You know, you're constantly trying to navigate between someone else's concept of who you should be, or what you should be. Um, That's when it first came on the radar. And, And clearly, you know, you understand you're going up for a part, you're auditioning. So you've got to be able to be malleable. 
And so what I started garnering, or actually before I started becoming aware of what I would do about it, I realized what was happening. What was happening was I started feeling that I wasn't enough. That mm. in, in the demand for me to be this, to be that, to be this, that, I started feeling that what I had, what I had to bring to the table wasn't right, wasn't yeah. good enough. Yeah. And so what I did to change that paradigm, and, and it really is a paradigm shift in all of us, internal. Because what you have to say is, it's not that I'm not enough. It's just that I'm going to add something more to the narrative. I'm going to add something more to the technique. I'm going to give myself different colors, different shades without giving up who I am, without giving up the colors and shades that I already have. I'm going to yeah. add to them. So Love it's not that. an either or, it's this and that. This and that. Yeah. 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 And and we can maybe get a little bit more. I'm sure we could uh, probably spend the whole time just talking mm, about, okay, about, well, that. how do we do that? Um, mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, and I, and I want to say, I can relate to that. I have uh, acting in my background as well. I can think of, of showing up for um, an audition and they're kind of like, you know, no, we want that smile. The, the one that you did in your headshot. Can you just do that? You know, you kind of feel like a dancing monkey a little bit. So Absolutely. it's uh, um, uh, yeah. The, the challenge to bring your full self to something like that mm -hmm. uh, can, it can be a challenge. Um, so uh, what can you give us kind of a high level view of um, who you are, what you do and about your new book? I am a vocal coach and I started the coaching uh, years ago, but I started the love of voice when I was 14. Mm. And it, it, it happened when I was accepted into the New York City Opera. I sang opera from a teenager. I was in the New York City Opera. I joined the, the children's chorus because there are several operas that are written with angelic voices. Mm -hmm. And so they needed children to be in the wings singing the voices of angels. And so I became one of those children's voices and fell in love with opera, fell in love with, with classical music and, and the orchestrations and just hearing the the mammoth sounds and the crescendos uh, of 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 these wonderful pieces these classical pieces uh and and this larger than life genre and so mm -hmm. so thinking that I was going to be an opera singer I went and auditioned for the performing arts school that specialized in music and the one that specialized in drama and mm -hmm. I ended up going to the one that specialized in drama because mm -hmm. that was the school that the movie Fame was based on. Ooh. And I went to the audition and saw these kids dancing in the streets like Fame and dancing on the tables in the lunchroom. And I thought, I've got to go to this school and I'll just act. And sure enough, when I got to the school and started reading plays and reading Shakespeare, I fell in love with classical text the same way I was in love with classical music. And I ended up auditioning for Juilliard when I graduated from high school. And I didn't audition for, um, for, for opera. I auditioned for drama. And I made it into the drama division at Juilliard. And Robin Williams was two years ahead of me. Oh my gosh. I was there in 1975. Robin Williams was two years ahead of me and Keith David, the voice was in my class. Wow. And so I had a wonderful trajectory of finding this, this, this wonderful sense of art at a really intense level. 
Wow. But I have to say through it all, it was really tough to maintain a sense of who I was, Mm. who I am as a woman of color, as an African-American woman who has a very rich South Carolinian Southern roots and, mm-hmm. and, and wonderful echoes of the Black Baptist Church and all of these, these wonderful elements, I didn't feel comfortable enough to bring to the table until I was much older and mm-hmm. came to the reality that it's not this or that, it's all of that that adds to the narrative. It's all of these wonderful elements that add to who I am and to my story. Wow, that's amazing. I I I, um, I want to hear like basically like how how you unpack that in your book, how how we can apply that. But I just have to go back for a moment. I mean, I could go okay. back to several moments, but were people in that high school really dancing on the tables and in the streets? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. was what was the name of the high school? What? High School of Performing Arts. Okay, okay, and that's what fame was based on. That was fame. What fame was based on. Yeah, As a matter of like- fact, when I was a senior, they wanted the film to be a documentary, and they came to our you know, to interview us, to do this documentary on this, this school with all of these amazing, young, talented teenagers. And they came and looked at us and said, this can't be a documentary. It has to be a feature film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. It was, it was the highlight of, of my formative years. Oh, wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Okay. So now take us to this theme that you've brought up a a couple of times about, um, you know, seeing all of me, seeing, uh, you know, you're bringing your full self to the table. Um, And I, uh, tell tell us about how your, tell us about your book and then Mm -hmm. how, um, you know, readers of your book would, uh, you know, learn how to do that. Well, if you ask someone or anyone, what is the number one feared task Mm -hmm. on the planet? People would say public speaking. Yeah. And I contend that when you embrace your full self, the full element, the full, the full um, uh, compilation of who we are, you then get something that's very unique. I call it a voice print. I say there are no two voice prints alike. Like there are no two sets of fingerprints that are alike. There are no two voice prints that are alike because everybody is uniquely themselves. They're uniquely them because they are made up of so many different uh, components, be it geographical, cultural, racial, you know, or, uh, and, and then we get to pick and choose how we identify. And that choice is up to us. And we should bring that into the world with pride. And so once that is celebrated, once you kind of know that all of the compartments to this wonderful, unique voice print, then what you have to say is, The story is the star. My narrative is the star, not me. I'm just there to facilitate it. So when the story is the star, we don't have to get nervous. We don't have to get sidetracked or feel compelled to be something because the story is already there. And the thing about owning who you are in its totality is that Aside from being unique, you're the expert. There's, there are no two people the, the same. I can't tell your story. You can't tell mine. Mm-hmm. And so, and if I'm the expert in that, it gives me confidence because I know more about the story than you do. 
And so therefore that gives me permission to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what I am doing in the book. I give these wonderful narratives. I share these wonderful narratives of people who have consented to share their stories with me and with the reading public because they feel or they felt at the time that it was time. It was time to share this, this wonderful component of, of their professional life, their personal life. There's some stories that are so poignantly based on trauma in their youth. I have a story of a transgender woman and what she had to deal with in, in her transition and all of the obstacles pretty much that all of us have had to deal with to get to where we are now, be be the obstacles large or small, the obstacles and how we were able, myself included, how we were able to jump over those hurdles. But with that, with that, I also give exercises. So I don't just inspire you with stories. I don't just encourage you with stories. I show you how to do it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. And um, uh, listeners of this podcast will know that storytelling is an area for me that, and I'm in the midst of, of doing a book around storytelling as well um, with, yeah, yeah. Storytelling. Yay. Storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but how, can you describe how, cause you're a vocal coach. So you're, you're working probably with, or maybe you could describe it a little bit. Actually, I kind of wanted to get a little window in. I'm not sure if there's mm-hmm. any, any one um, moment that would pop to mind, but I, I kind of was wanting to see if we could, you know, give our listeners a window into, okay, one day I was working with Will Smith and we did X, Y, Z. Um, so maybe, could you describe that? Could we give us a little um, taste one, of what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I have go, one go right away. So Mahershala Ali, yeah. uh, famous Oscar Academy Award winning actor for his performance in Green Book. I coached him on that role. Oh, wow. And um, it, it was absolutely phenomenal. And then I coached him in the HBO series, um, season three of True Detective. Mm-hmm. And he ages, he ages 30, 35 years in, in the course of, of the film. And so what I had to do, what, what we had to do together, because it's a collaboration, I can't say I did it for the actor. We collaborate. I ask them what they need and I, and then I connect the dots. I help them connect the dots. And so he had to age and we found the, the voice for the character when the character was in his in his forties. And then when he was in his seventies and, and then Mm. not only was he in his seventies, but then he's suffering from some neurological kinds of issues, be it Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. And so we incorporated that, but this is also what happened while we were negotiating how this man's voice would age over three decades. We also talked about the physicality and I'm Mm -hmm. on set and one he's doing a scene and he sounds like the character. He's in character. He's sitting on the bed and then he pops up off the bed as if he's Mahershala <laughs> Ali. <laughs> right. So, wait, wait. And, then, and, I'm, and I'm 63 years old. I'm not in my 70s yet, but I know I have to hold on to that bed to get up off the bed. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And so I came back and I said, Mahershala, Mahershala, you can't just pop up off the bed like that. <laughs> and so it's this, this wonderful symbiotic relationship with actors where we talk about character where we break it down and we break down the who, the what, the when, the where, the why. And essentially 
That's what I want to offer regular everyday people. I want to give them tools to break down why I speak like this, embrace where I come from, embrace what it is that I don't like. And if I don't like it, then I will pursue options to, to change it. I, but I want to start with the premise that what you already have is not broken, yeah. that what you already have doesn't need to be fixed. And see, that's how I was introduced to this work. I was introduced to this work by saying, what you have is not good. What you have is wrong. And I want to change the paradigm. I mm -hmm. want to say what you have is perfectly fine for where you are. Mm -hmm. But if you want to go here, you might need to do this. Or if you want to do that, you might need to do this. Yeah. I, and I say, I, I don't just have one set of clothes. I don't have one pair of shoes. I have a bevy of clothing, of, of dresses, of pairs of shoes that I can pick and choose to wear depending on how I feel that day or what the occasion is. And so I feel that what I want to do is offer tools and options to people so that they can use the full depth and range of their voices. We use so little uh, of our voices. Mm -hmm. And I just want to expand what you already have, not change it. And I don't even want to say improve it. You know, yeah. there are certain things that we can tweak and we can refine, but I, I want to take judgment out of this. That's my goal because that's good. You know, I don't even use standard American speech. That was the terminology that was used when I was studying. It's like, mm. well, whose standard are we standardizing this speech yeah. by? What's yeah. the standard? Yeah. You know, and I, 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 I often say that we don't all look alike. Why should we all sound alike? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? So that's what this is. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, I'm thinking from my own acting experiences of just, and uh, I think this is related, and it's not specific to the vocal cords especially, but it's mm -hmm. it's about kind of you know I I doing the same performance from one night to the next, and one night I was very you know being in my head and sort of trying to trying to do something versus another night where I felt very present and in the flow, and then it feels like it's coming from a much more authentic place and a more mm -hmm. authentic voice. Um, so it sounds sounds you know related to what you're saying there. Well, um, you know, let me just piggyback yeah. on that because yeah. in addition to that, what gives you that depth, even when you have to do something over and over and over again, yeah. what gives you depth is not only um, the tools, the breath, the breathing tools that that mm. I teach in the book, because. All voice is, is breath that has passed through the vocal cords, the vocal folds, causing mm. them to vibrate. And that vibration is now voice. But voice essentially is breath. So we've got to learn to, to breathe more deeply, to go, to go into a deeper portion of our, of our emotional wellspring so that we can connect voice to breath, which then connects to emotion, to our source. Wonderful. But, that, that coupled with your imagination, you have to use your mind's eye. And you know this being a storyteller. Your imagination is everything. You've got to utilize the breath to support the voice, but you also have to see your voice between you and the audience that you're speaking to. 
Like your voice has to be out in front of you and it has to take up the space between you and your audience. And so you've got to use your mind's eye to see that. You've got to use your imagination. When you see the word blue or when you talk about the word blue and I see you, I see it in your eyes, you've got to see a blue sky. You can't just see the word blue. You've got to see a blue ocean. You've got to put context behind words. And that's what gives you the musicality and the flavor in your voice. Denise, I get the sense that there's a whole world in here that you're, that I, I, uh, we're, we're, we're getting a taste of today. And I'm sure uh, readers of your book would get a, a a much fuller picture of it. Can you give us, let's say some of the people out, um, out there listening to this podcast, they may be in the business world. They may be entrepreneurs. They may be, yeah, maybe they have public speaking engagements. Well, I guess, you know, they might be zoom based, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking engagements at this point, but, um, what, what are one or two things that, that, uh, maybe tips that, that people could take away, uh, from this, this conversation now, um, just sort of, uh, basic things to get people started. Excellent question. First of all, and I mentioned it, I talked about it earlier is breath. Mm -hmm. Breath is to the voice what gasoline is to a car. If you have no gas in your car, your car goes nowhere. If you don't breathe, and we breathe in through the mouth, by the way, when we speak, we breathe in through the mouth. An inaudible, we don't need to gasp, just an inaudible breath in through the mouth, because as soon as you breathe in through the mouth, the voice will come out through the mouth. So breath is the number one thing. And then the second thing is in storytelling, you must remember, and everything is a story. I don't care if it's a presentation at a board meeting. I don't care if you're you're contributing something to a Zoom call. It has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. An end. Mm-hmm. Think of it in terms of the beginning to set it up, the middle crescendo, and then the end final and end it, a beginning and a middle and an end. I talk about California upspeak where people don't end. And, and and everything goes up. We want, and this is to my third point. We want your thoughts. I want, you want your thoughts to land because it gives you more of a commanding presence. If you, if your thought goes up, it's a question. And then it feels, and you don't quite know what it is, but you haven't left your spirit in the room. You haven't landed your thoughts. Mm. You must land a beginning, a middle, an end. And at the end, the inflection goes down. Mm. The inflection goes down because it's powerful. It's mm-hmm. it's emphatic. It's It's strength. It's the power of voice. Great, great. So we want to land our thoughts and not be, I like that word, upspeak, California upspeak. You know, you don't want to be like, and then? Exactly. So I'm I'm hearing, I just want to review a couple of ideas that I I haven't heard before uh, for our listeners just to review. A voice print. We all have uh, a voice print just like we would have fingerprints. I love that idea Um, uh, or that concept. Mm -hmm. And that the voice is breath. I don't think I've quite heard that before, that uh, that's what the voice is. It's breath passing through the vocal cords. So the breath is number one. Um, Anything else? Any other? Imagine somebody who's got a... Maybe next week they have a public speaking engagement. Uh, anything else to to think about as they prepare for that? Breath being the most important thing. And uh, and I mentioned it before, but I think even more than than breath, the the psychology of this because those are the technical aspects. Yeah. The psychology, the psychological aspects of it. You must go in first of all knowing that you're the authority on the subject. 
That's mm-hmm. going to give you confidence. But also, you must see your presentation as a gift that mm. you are giving your listeners. It's a gift. I say, look at it as if you are unwrapping that blue box, that Tiffany blue box with the white ribbon tied around it. And (laughs) and when you receive that blue box, you know that the person who has given it to you has taken a considerable amount of time and effort and money to give you this special gift. I want you to think of your voice in that same way. Mm -hmm. I am giving, first of all, I'm the expert on the Mm -hmm. subject because Mm -hmm. nobody can say it and can put it together and, and craft it the way I can, because I'm unique in my experience to the subject matter. So you may not know everything on the subject, but your experience with the subject is unique. And so once you feel that wonderful sense of of your unique voice print, then what you want to do is feel as though you're giving it as a gift to your audience, remembering that the gift is the star, not you. Right, right. I love that. So being, it sounds like being of service, giving a gift, you're the expert, but yeah, but let's, let's focus on, as you said before, kind of focusing on the story, or in this case, you, your presentation right. is, is, is the star, right? Not yes, you. Absolutely. I wonder before, I, I want to be mindful of your time. And so but I, I wonder if there's anything to say about um, this particular moment in time that we're in and mm. how, what your everything we've talked about may apply here. How can we, how, how can people see all of us? How can we use our voice and 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 uh, put our message out there during this really challenging time? Anything that you have to say around that? Well, there are two actually. The first, I'll start with the first one. I I think the empowerment of the individual voice keeps us from going along with the status quo sort of accepting the status quo, or on the other end of the spectrum, becoming a part of a pack mentality, Mm -hmm. you know, being swayed by ideology, and then you lose your individuality, your individual voice, because you're being swayed by something that is larger than you, that drives you to do unspeakable acts. Um, whatever they may be. So as when we keep our individual sense of our own voices, when we can think for ourselves, speak for ourselves, speak our truths, we then don't run the risk of becoming a part of a pack or a group. Mm -hmm. And then, and not to say that, you know, all groups are bad, but you must maintain your sense of individuality. You must maintain your individual voice, your sound, you know, because uh, I say in an orchestra, the brass section must be the brass section. You can't go over to the string section. You've got to maintain, you know, or when you're in chorus and you're the alto, but you're sitting next to the soprano section, you can't sing the soprano. You can't sing the melody. You've got to stay in the harmony. And so what you want to do is find your own individuality. Yeah. in your voice. And the second thing I want to just talk about the amazing young woman, Amanda Gorman, Mm. who delivered the poem at the inauguration Mm -hmm. and which moved us all. I can't even imagine what that 
that that celebration would have been had she not been there. Mm-hmm. And 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 the, the likelihood of her not being there was huge because I later learned that she had a speech impediment that she overcame. Really? And and she talks about it. She worked on this speech impediment. She worked on it tirelessly. And it was such a huge metaphor for the work that I'm doing because mm. it, it's not a necessarily only about a speech impediment, whatever impedes you in life from putting your voice in the world, from putting your essence in the world, you must overcome it. Because just the way Amanda Gorman did and how eloquently and beautifully she spoke that we were all moved by, I mean, millions of people benefited from that young woman. Can you imagine if she had allowed that speech impediment to get the better of her? And mm-hmm. she didn't, she just wrote poetry and she didn't speak it because of the the, the speech impediment. Mm-hmm. What we would have been robbed on that day, that crucial day when we all needed that, that young woman's voice most, we hung on to every word. And I can't even imagine what life would have been without her at, yeah. at, in that moment, at that time in history. So it really, I just want to encourage people to let that be a wonderful lesson in whatever it is, speak your truth, speak your voice. And if there's anything that impedes that or, or, or in, in any way makes you insecure, work on it. Just work on it, right? It's yeah. it's there. It's there to be uh, worked through. Absolutely. Yeah, the obstacles of our lives. Um, so, uh, well, thank you so much. That was really inspiring. I didn't know that about Amanda Gorman, and uh, that makes me want to go back and, and watch it again. She couldn't but, say her R's. She couldn't say her R's. Wow. She couldn't say R's. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, Denise, it's been wonderful to uh, meet you and, oh. and talk to you and learn from you. Um, where can people go uh, on the internet to learn more about you and your book? Well, I am speakitclearly.com. That's my that's my uh, website, speakitclearly.com. And I'm at speakitclearly on all of the social media handles. At speakitclearly. Okay. Instagram. Speakitclearly.com. Speakitclearly.com. Well, Denise, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you have a, another interview to get to. So yes. um, uh, thanks for thanks for joining us. Okay. Thank you. This was lovely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life.